Would you pray with me, please? Holy ones, fill this space, fill our hearts. Help us to open our ears and our minds to whatever particular gift you want to give to us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So recently I was in New Mexico uh, camping in canyon country with my wife Laura. And in the mornings I would sit with my cup of tea and just marvel at the yellow and red layers of the canyon walls around me. They gave the impression that they had always been there and that they always would be, which of course is not true. Upon closer look, the telltale signs are all around, the, the boulders at the bottom of the walls that once were a part of the high rim above, the layers of sediment like rings of a tree telling their own stories of, of ancient lakes and ice ages. If we could have a time lapse of the last 200 million years of that land, that land would flow like water, forming, reforming, arising, dissolving. Geological time is just amazing. It's almost too much for my mind to grasp. So let's consider instead a scale that's a little more manageable. Next year, this church will have been in existence for 120 years. And like those canyons, you look at the building today and you think this church has always been here and it always will be. And of course that's not true either. This church has been formed and reformed already so many times in its existence. Did you know there was once a basketball court in the basement of this church? Or that the Heritage Center, the original sanctuary, they once had a lowered ceiling and dividing walls for Sunday school rooms and those beautiful stained glass windows. All you could see were Jesus' feet. <laughs> even this space, this new sanctuary, as some people still call it, even though it was dedicated in 1958, it's seen changes. The, the cross that used to hang there was red mosaic tiles. You can still see it in the Barrett Chapel next door. The carpet was once a bluish gray. The pastor's study around the corner where we robe in the morning, it used to be a pastor's study. All to say that as we near the completion of this most recent capital campaign construction project, updating three of the major spaces in this church and a lot of the infrastructure around the whole campus, we should remember that it is neither the first nor the last time that this church will change shape. This building, this congregation, each of our lives is ever-changing, forming and reforming, arising and dissolving. And so maybe it's all the signs of change around the building these days that has me thinking about that powerful and important and difficult truth of impermanence. 
Now, day in and day out, our lives can feel pretty much the same. We get up and put on the coffee and let the dog out, go about the errands of our day, and day blurs into week and week blurs into month, and we don't really notice that very much is very different. But the river is always running, carving its way through the canyon. And before we know it, the leaves have started to turn. The neighbor boy next door has suddenly sprouted three inches overnight. We look in the mirror and we think, who is that guy with the gray beard? <laughs> Other times, impermanence raises its head more suddenly, dramatically. We get a new job, we, we fall and break our wrist, and suddenly, without any warning, we are swimming in a river of change, just trying to stay afloat. Impermanence can be frightening. And the strategy most of us employ to deal with it involves a heavy case of denial and a good wrinkle cream. <laughs> but it does have its blessings. If you are recovering from knee surgery, there are no sweeter words than, this too shall pass. When it comes to life struggles, dead-end jobs, political leaders, most of them anyway, there is comfort in the fact that nothing lasts forever. It's also important to remember that, the, that impermanence helps us to appreciate how precious life is. The cherry blossoms in spring, the, the aspen leaves in fall, these are more lovely because they won't look like that for very long. Part of their beauty is their impermanence. So much of life is like that, isn't it? We appreciate a special day with a friend or being able to push our child on a swing or celebrate 50 years of marriage because we know that time will not wait long. But here's the thing I most want to say to you today, and that is that impermanence is not the whole story. As real at some level as it is, not everything is passing away. Our psalmist this morning is speaking directly to God with a kind of tenderness and intimacy of someone who is known and knows that they are known. It was you who formed my inward parts. It was you who knit me together in my mother's womb. It was your eyes that beheld my unformed substance. It was in your book that were written all the days that were formed for me, but none of them even existed. How weighty are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them and they are more than the sand. I come to the end and you are still with me. Here we have the psalmist in the midst of his very impermanent life with all of the same worries and fears and struggles that we all have. But in this moment, he is aware of and in relationship with the one thing that is not changing. 
And like the psalmist, we can live our lives knowing that at one level, it is absolutely true that everything is passing away. Just like the canyon walls, and not nearly so slowly, we are all dissolving. Our lives end. And I am in no way diminishing the sadness and the profoundness of that fact. But we are not our bodies. As the saying goes, we are, we are not human beings having occasional spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And our deepest, truest self is knit together, was knit together by God before the beginning of time. And our deepest, truest self will be held by God until the end of time. And at one level, we are vulnerable to all of life's ups and downs, the pains, the losses, the beauty of a world that is constantly changing. But more deeply, each of our lives are being held by what the Apostle Paul called, says, we are being held in what he called, we are hidden with Christ in God. We are, our identity, our lives are being hidden with Christ in God hidden from the vicissitudes and the vagaries of life, held in the heart of God safely. That's our true identity. That's our baptismal identity. I'm not sure there is anything more important. I'm not sure there is anything that will change your life more than for you to decide that you are going to trust that that is true and that you are going to live knowing that that is true. So long as we think that we are only these bodies, so long as we think that our lives are only these lives, how can we not fill our days with self-obsessed doubt and insecurity? How can we not live in a world of scarcity and comparison and anxiety? How could we not worry all the time about measuring up and having enough and protecting what we have. But as we learn to live knowing what the psalmist knows, knowing that all that really matters is that the one whose eyes beheld us before we existed will love us beyond the bounds of our vision, the more we learn to live from that deep place in our hearts, we will know a peace and a freedom that the world cannot understand. So if you take one thing from this sermon, I hope it is that phrase, my life is hidden with Christ in God. It's from the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Meditate on it. Let it work on you. Let it work into you until more and more you come to know that it is true.
because from that deep place, canyon walls can crash, church walls can crumble. Your life can and will form and reform, arise and dissolve, and you will not fear. And you will say with the psalmist to God, I come to the end and you are still with me.